Hey everyone, it's your host Richie Burke. Welcome back to the Go Getters. This is actually a live episode from the beautiful sixth floor of the University Club right in downtown Milwaukee overlooking Lake Michigan. Really nice venue, so big thank you to the University Club for having us here today. I got to interview Ken Muth, the CEO of the Muth Company, and he has a fascinating story of how you know <clears throat> he started his career working at Baird. He was on Wall Street quite a bit, was doing really well there, and then his father suddenly passed away in 2007. Ken was third generation, but never worked in the family business or really had any interest in doing so and took it over when the company was in shambles, then the Great Recession hit, and he went from, and we'll talk about this, but he went from 129 employees down to 29, and he's back up to about 280, and just a really interesting story, not the longest interview, but a ton of takeaways for business leaders, entrepreneurs. If you're interested in business, you'll get a lot out of this episode. So big thank you to Ken for coming on and the U Club for having us here today. So Ken, your your father suddenly passes away in 2007. He ran the Muth Company. It was a family business. Your grandfather started technically your third generation. Did you... Did you ever think you'd be involved in the family business? And what was what was your initial reaction when all of that happened? Uh, growing up, I had uh, an amazing grandfather who had a, a skill with knowing everybody at the company. We had a factory in Sheboygan that was about 300,000 square feet, about 800 employees. So growing up, I was always around companies and around people. That was a very different type of automotive vendor. But... I guess when you're born into an entrepreneurial family like that, you know, you you do kind of just get uh, the osmosis of of that kind of translation from generation to generation. But no, I I didn't see myself going to Muth Company. Um, we had a nepotism thing when I graduated college. My sisters, I have two older sisters, and it was you know you had to work somewhere for four years, and uh, I got a, the job at Baird that I wanted in corporate finance and investment banking, and the team was amazing and. So then my dad said, hey, why don't you come back to Muth Company? I said, uh, I don't think that's going to work. You can't afford me. I'm making like four times what you're making. <laughs> uh, so, did you say that word for word? I did. I did. I said, you know, you, and that, that definitely set him back. And he's like, it's not about the money. I said, I'm 25 years old. It's a lot about the money. <laughs> so uh, it kind of kept on going. And I was, I love my job. Uh, the The trouble with that was, you know, trying to balance the job with the family. Because when you're in a bull market like that and you're investment banking, we were taking companies public. We were doing secondary offering. We were doing convertible bonds, convertible debt. I mean, we were, we were thumping. I was like one of two analysts, you know, serving all these great uh, investment bankers there. And that's where the on-the-job learning, you know, really kind of clicked in. And I, you know, it's, it's a big adrenaline rush when you're doing an M&A and you're, you're going over to Europe and you're doing something in England and then you're going to you know, Africa doing something else and you're going to New York. I mean, it was, as a young person, seeing all these places all over the world was exhilarating. If I was at Muth Company, I was Sheboygan, Wisconsin. So I, I didn't really see myself going back. And then, and then you didn't dive right in. You kept your job three years after you technically took the company over in 2007. And it was right at the start of the recession. Can you talk about that moment in time? Yeah, I, you know, it was... It, my dad and mom were down in Florida, and uh, he had a stroke opening up their winter home. And my mom called and said he had a major stroke. He can't see anything out of the left side of his body. He can't move his left side. And so I called my sister and said, 
this is this is really bad. Were you, did you have a very close relationship with him? We did. We are very, and that's part of the reason I didn't want to work with him because I saw he and his dad work together, and it was two strong Germans, you know, going together. So there was a lot of bad holiday parties where we got to my grandparents' house, and ninety <laughs> seconds later, we're out because the recession was in. It was seventy nine through eighty two. That recession. Never forget stories going to my grandpa's house. Within two minutes, we are going back home because my dad and grandfather were fighting. And so um, my dad and I had a great relationship um, as a father-son and did a lot of great things together. But I, I didn't, couldn't see us really going together business-wise. But I do, I've always loved company. I mean, part of Baird, when you're there and doing all the analysis, I love analyzing companies. I love looking at all the different industries. I probably looked at a couple hundred different industries as an analyst and then as an um, investment banker, I mean, all over the world. So that was really exciting to me. I, I look at businesses like art or something where people think I'm, I'm going to go in and see something secret about their company. Like, I just want to go see what you do. I want to go see them, you know, look at a bicycle. How do you make a bicycle? How do you make a washer and dryer? I mean, those things are all fascinating to me because it's all very different from me making a mirror. You know, and if I can get away one or two snippets of kind of wisdom out of that, that will make me a better leader for my own company and, and my own thoughts and my own family. So um, everything I do is kind of continuous learning. And that's why I've always enjoyed, you know, being around companies. And you you mentioned downstairs that a lot of people thought it was easy. You were taking over a family business. But yeah. in reality, yeah. you had a, you know, the numbers better than I do, a negative net million dollar balance sheet, seven million in debt. Hell. A company valued maybe at overall around a million with investors and banks to pay back. So you were taking that over, which sounds like a complete shit show. You were also working your other job and helping your mom with everything she was going through. What was that point in time like and what kept you going? Uh, I mean, you, your body just goes into shock when something like that happens. And uh, the, on top of those events on that happen, I also signed up for the Alcatraz Triathlon. Because I think I, I got extra time. In yeah, my why, day, not? Right? I mean, why not? Why, why not just go to San Francisco and swim in the, uh, you know, the bay there <laughs> under the Golden Gate with the sharks? So um, <laughs> you might as well throw that in there. If you're going to train, you maybe, well maybe, maybe a shark can take you out yeah, of your misery. Maybe, yeah. maybe I can be taken out of my misery. So, <laughs> you know, you, you don't really realize when you're in a traumatic event like that and a life altering event that, you know, there's no, there's no really thoughts that going through. You just kind of step up and go. Um, I, I think, you know, that's just kind of a natural reaction to someone. I played college basketball, uh, played college tennis. So, I mean, I do like competing. Um, and it just was kind of natural for me to go in and just kind of look at, I, I didn't commit when now Godfrey and Khan made me sign documents. November, he died on the 14th, like November 17th, I had to sign documents, say I'm chairman CEO. And I had to get the okay for Robert Beard to let me do that. But I took those titles just as, you know, kind of a process, but didn't really know what that was. And then people came in and said, uh, you know, what's the new CEO think? Like, uh, I'll get back to you. <laughs> like, I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've never looked at my dad's financials ever. I mean, I've been through his plant a long time. I looked at things like, that's kind of weird how that's done and that's laid out wrong and that doesn't really look right to me, but I'm not going to say that. So um, it just, you kind of jumped into the battle scene and not really having any thoughts. You just, but I think I worked probably 20 hour days, four hours of sleep for two and a half years. You physically break down at all or are you? Um, with my wife back there, yeah, I'd say I physically broke down a yeah. couple of times. And, you know, I, you, the, the company came first, and then my, the Muth family came first, my mom and my sisters, and, uh, then the bank came second and then my family came third. Uh, and so, you know, my family is the one that really got shortchanged in all this. And so I've got a lot of makeup time to do with that now in, in life. And I've been trying to do that with, uh, 
you know, we, we try to spend time together and I got two older kids now in college, but we try to do great Christmas breaks and really try to make some great long-term memories. Cause my dad died at 64. I'm 50. Yeah. I don't have a great history or so, you know, who knows how much longer it's going to be. For do, you, me. do you regret anything during that time? Or do you think all that was thrown at you and you did the best you could in that situation? Uh, I, I definitely regret some of the things I said to my wife. Yeah. Um, they were probably weren't <laughs> apropos. Um, and maybe my kids. And I, I mean, you're, when you're not sleeping, you're on a short fuse. Right. I mean, yeah. you're, you're not thinking logically. I mean, I would go in and even today I make very quick decisions, but Wall Street teaches you, you like, you got to, Cisco would print a number and like 30 seconds later, Fidelity's calling like, what'd you think of Cisco's number? Was that great? I'm like, I'm on paragraph two. I'm reading paragraph two right now. <laughs> so, yeah. And like, well, what's the answer? Is the stock going up or down? I'm like, uh, can you give me 10 seconds here? Uh, it's going up. Yeah. Up, up it is. I'm like, uh, it went down. I'm like, read that wrong. So, you know, you, you get, Wall Street gives you really rapid response system. And so you took that speed as a strategy as I talked about and applied that to Muth and moved really, really fast. I mean, faster than no one at that place had ever seen anything like that. Right. I mean, they were not used to that cadence. So you, you go in there, you inherit, you said 129 employees. Yeah. You go from 129 to 29, and then you're back up to 256 in 2018. Yeah, we're at you about also, 285 now. 285 now. Yeah. And you said you were like the Grim Reaper who'd show up on Friday yeah. and you'd have to have to fire, you know, 20 people yeah. at a time in that stretch. So you went in there. Did you see how inefficiently the company was running? And what was that like having to fire all those people? I've, you know, I've had to fire probably five people in my life and it's been terrible every time. And I stress about it, you know, mm -hmm. days before you I don't have sleep to do the night it. before. Right. You, you're, you're, you're going up there on a weekly basis mm -hmm. in doing batches the attorney, of the that. attorneys tell you, keep it short and simple. And, um, it was really rough so that my dad had, you know, in his prior company, 800 employees. So that's a lot of people for Sheboygan. Then he sold that company in 1990. And when I started firing people, there are people that would have been with my dad for 15, 25 years. And so some of those people, one in particular wrote my 93-year-old grandmother how big an asshole I was of firing every Muth company. 93 years old. She's getting a letter saying that her grandson is a dipstick and a <laughs> asshole. How do you think that makes your grandma feel? I mean, I can't even imagine. So, I mean, I, but it, you know, it was, again, it had to be done. I mean, it just, it, it was, the can was kicked down the road so far, so long. Yeah. The engineers, you know, they're not financial people. So they're not looking at the P&L. They're yeah. not looking at the balance sheet. And then you come in there for the first time, you look at it like, oh, vomit bag, please. You know, this is terrible. I mean, how do you guys even go to work today? So again, the crisis, use it as an opportunity and, and, and spun it that way because it was obvious to everybody in the world how bad it was out there. And we just had to right-size ourselves like everybody else is doing. So, you know, doing something like that with the herd and, you know, trying to do things, you know, when when tapes are good or tapes are bad, I still look at that kind of macro environment of, you know, tweaking people. Did, did your background as an analyst enable you to be more black and white instead of emotional in those situations where you're like, this is a mess, this is what has to happen, opposed to maybe moving slower? I think because, two things. Because a lot of that's painful to Yeah, do. two things. One is uh, basketball. So I grew up in Sheboygan and went to Sheboygan North. We, we practiced the principles of John Wooden to the T. Yeah. He was a very disciplined, highly disciplined coach. We ran the UCLA offense. My high school coach was a really tough boy. So we, you had to get mentally tough, you know, to play for him. Um, and that, that was kind of the, the first piece of that. The second piece is Wall Street. There's really no emotion on Wall Street. It's, you know, every day, you know, when you're special, 
corporate finance is different. You're, you're taking companies public, you're, you're merging them, whatever. That's not as life or death. Research analyst, I mean, you're, you're making spots. I mean, there's about, I think it's like $200 billion that Cisco is trading that day when I would call a stock. I'd be on CNBC calling a stock up and down F5. I mean, there's stocks when you get to be good, you can move a stock. With your research, you can move a stock. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people would want to know, you know, wh- what did you find out about Cisco or Juniper F5, you know, that makes your theory right about why the stock is going to perform badly. And you would get, you know, these big funds or these people yelling at you on the phone saying, you know, you are dumb. You don't know what you're doing. This is not right. I mean, there was a couple of people when I was at Baird and as a sell side researcher and sued me because I called a stock one day and it went down like 15%. It was right. The call was right. Yeah. The stock went down because the quarter was bad. Yeah. But, you know, they, I, people, so when you get that, my point is there's no emotion. And Wall Street taught me also with, di- with the, uh, you know, Dick Bennett as well as John Wooden, there's no emotion. I mean, it's just mental toughness. Mm-hmm. And so without that, you know, that's, it's hard to do what you had to do there. Yeah. And I mean, you talked about down there that people in general cause more headaches than they're worth. And you've made your company more profitable, three times more profitable per person than other mm-hmm. companies in your industry. You also talked about leaving a lot of money on the table to benefit relationships. Yep. So it's not like you're, you know, all cold and cutting people off. You're investing in these relationships, giving people who had to quit really nice severance packages. Can you touch on kind of the dichotomy of, of that? Yeah, so the people who work with me at Muth Company today, um, I, I feel they're the highest paid in our industry because I, I want to get extremely high performers and pay them excessive amounts of money. Again, money is energy. If I give you a bonus of a million dollars, are you going to be happier than I give you a bonus for a hundred thousand? Yep. You're going to have more energy. Same thing. So the bonuses that we give and the payroll that we give, you know, I learned a lot of that from Wall Street and, you know, I kind of coined it and Kate knows this too. When I was at Baird, well-paid in prison, I made a lot of money as a 25-year-old to a 33-year-old. People, everyone, all one of my friends, even Godfrey and Khan said, shut it down, walk away, do not leave your Baird job. You make a lot of money. I'm like, I do but I don't see my family. I do make a lot of money. And it's a, it's a great, it was a great learning lesson. Um, you know, when you get to a certain amount of wealth too, you don't do it for the money. I mean, I don't go to work now to make more money. Mm-hmm. The money is a, is a kind of a, a back way of the, the kind of the showing you that your model and your philosophies and your strategies were right. So because of all the things we've done and the risks we've taken, the outcome of that is three times more profitability but, you know, I was definitely swimming, you know, up the stream the wrong way because everyone was saying, shut Muth Company down, let it go. All this is ridiculous. You got a great job at Baird. Baird's an amazing company, which it still is and even better today. Um, and the other thing is, is everyone's replaceable. I told everybody at my Baird, I said, well, I mean, yeah, I, I contribute to a team. I feel like I'm a good team member and collaborate on this stuff, but you can replace me with the next man or woman right behind me within 20, 30 days. No, you can't. Yeah, you can. Everyone does it. Mm-hmm. Apple still exists. Steve Jobs died. Yeah. There's a lot of case studies. You can say people get, move on and yeah. they do. So, um, you know, right or wrong, I think it, uh, those two experiences of both the Bayard research and, and the corporate finance gave me the tool set to be able to do what I did at Muth company. Yeah. Cause I can analyze a company now. I can look at anybody's like, you know, a buddy comes up to me and says, Hey, look at my company. I'm like, Ooh, cost of good sales out of whack. Ooh, SGNA too high. Ooh, your balance sheet's nuts. When's the last time? What's this CapEx about? I mean, I can look at someone's numbers and their full, if you want to give me a 10-page model, I'll take me 40 seconds. If you want to give me a one-page model, it'll take me 15 seconds. I mean, I read a spreadsheet like I read a book. It's just, it's second nature now because I've done thousands of models in my day. When I was at Baird doing research or doing the uh, investment banking, 
35, 45 page merger models. Two public companies lining them up, taking out cost of goods sold, taking out product portfolio, taking out management, taking out human, I mean, all that stuff. I mean, so it's modeling my company. I mean, my, my model at Muth Company right now for what we do is probably 35 pages. Line by line, one by one, what product, what car, what part of the world, you know, what is my price of everything? So I take that discipline of Wall Street and I put it at Muth Company. Yep. Uh, quick, what are your top pieces of advice or forewarnings to people who are looking to start a business? You have to take on excessive risk. Um, you know, the the one thing I don't think people are, are comfortable, and maybe this is not appropriate today, but they used to say a long time ago, see people ran the world. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Why, why would see people? I mean, they, the A people do great. They go to Harvard, they go to Yale, they go to these prestigious schools, they do great. But I know a lot of those people, and they're a lot of great friends of mine, they don't know how to take the risk, and they don't know how to allocate capital. So I think the two things are, if you're going to start your own business, or you want to be in a family business, and you're going to take it over, you have to accept the risk and the responsibility that comes with that. And then you've got to be a really good allocator of capital. So one thing that I pride myself on doing, and I've told Kate a lot of times, good or bad, sinful or not, I know how to make money. Now, that comes, you know, maybe a bad negative connotation, but given my training and my background, they kind of made me a financial assassin, like it or not, when I was at Baird and what I did. And I've ported that. I mean, you know, I want to try to push myself. So the juice company I bought, you know, push yourself, you know, go into that. I don't know anything about juice coming. Now I've taken it and my revenues are up tenfold in two years or 20fold in two years, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, we're just getting started. I mean, I, I think I can take it another 10, 20fold from here. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like pushing myself to that, but I think young entrepreneurs got to accept a lot of risk. If you're not going to take the risk, you're not going to grow the business. I mean, businesses can't grow without risk and money. That's what it takes. It takes that energy to get it going. And then you have to be a good asset allocator. Yep. And we'll end on this. You've clearly done a lot. What are you most proud of? Mm. Uh, I think the quality of lives that I, so when I came to Muth Company in the recession with those employees we had there and over the five years that we started hiring people, uh, I looked at the parking lot and everyone was driving a 15 year old car, 10 year old car, rushed it out, couldn't even make it. I've got Land Rovers, Mercedes, BMWs in my parking lot. People have great houses. Uh, I think I've given a lot of quality of life. So when I hire an employee, I don't just look at one person. I know that they have a family behind them of two or three or four people. And I'm accountable for all five of those people in that family. It's not just the one employee. Mm-hmm. So I feel I've I've made people's lives a lot better giving back. They've also made my life better because they worked with me, you know, on the endeavor. Because people know that this I'm not an easy place to work. I can't take employees from many places. Anything big and bureaucratic, you're, gonna, you're not going to get run out by me. Mm-hmm. You're going to get run out by my engineering staff or my program managing staff or my quality staff. Unfortunately, I can't take some of the big companies around me. I can't use their employees because their mentality of bureaucracy and what they used to do, they do things in six months that we do in a week. So I can't take just anybody off the street like that. But the, the quality of life and, and the kind of financial stability that we've given, I think, a lot of people and then the millionaires that we've created you know, on that and other people that I've, I've given back to, you know, I, I feel very good about creating the, the lives that I have in Sheboygan. Awesome. Thanks for coming on. Good Thanks, seeing Rich. you. Thank you.